Let us pray. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Father, we thank you that we sit in this place as members of the household of God, your very household. And so we ask, Heavenly Father, you, our Father, may speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I add my voice to the service leader to welcome our visitors. Welcome. Let's clap for them one more time. It's a joy to have you, and you are special to us. Please come again. Make this your church. Make this your service. Uh, in case you're simply visiting and will be returning, uh, convey our regards, take our greetings to the people where you came from. Tell them All Saints Cathedral, 3 p.m. service loves you. This afternoon, our reflection is uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22, the passage that has been read to us very well. Uh, last week, we did look at the first 10 verses of chapter 2, and uh, the passage seems to take the same shape as last week. They seem to be taking the same, uh, the same focus, but they are key differences that I want us to notice. Uh, so last week, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, focused a lot on individuals. It focused a lot on individuals. Now, as you heard this read, it focuses on us as a group, as a group, as a family. Uh, verse 1 to 10, uh, focused a lot on the behavior, our behavior before and after, our behavior before believing Jesus Christ and our behavior after believing Jesus Christ. And yet today, this, it is focusing a lot on our status before God. Our status before God. Last week, uh, it addressed us as human beings, or verse 1 to 10 addresses us as human beings. And yet Paul in this portion is really addressing Gentiles or Jews. So the, the block, the whole block of, of people. And uh, finally, last week, it talked a lot about the power, uh, God's power, which is the power of resurrection. And uh, today the focus is on the cross, the death of Jesus Christ. I thought it's important to just give us uh, that context. Otherwise, the passage, the entire passage takes a similar structure. So in Ephesians, just to re-echo, Paul is mainly addressing Gentile believers it's very clear in verse 1, as we read verse 6, verse 8. He wants them to know from the very beginning, he wants them to know that they have every spiritual blessing. They have every spiritual blessing. And in chapter 1, uh, he talks about those spiritual blessings which we really uh, went through. He talks to them about being chosen, being redeemed, and uh, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, you know, spiritual blessings, that in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. But he also, he prays for them uh, in verse 7 to get the spirit of wisdom and knowledge, really to know God, really to know, to be revealed, the things of God to be revealed to them. And uh, he reminds them also of uh, our salvation as an act of grace, 
as an act of grace. So it's, it's important for us to know first he's addressing Gentiles largely uh, and clearly we are not Jews. Anyone here who is a Jew? Uh, let me just check. We want to welcome you in a special way. Hello. Uh, so we are all Gentiles, eh? We are the guys here. <laughs> so Gentiles, people that are far off according to uh, this passage. Now, in chapter 2, uh, you know, verse 1, I mean, chapter 2, verse uh, 11 to 22, he gets into how they fit into the church, how they fit into the body of Christ, how they fit into the bigger group. Yes, they've been far off. They have been away, disconnected, as we will be seeing. But Paul uh, is reminding them that they are, whereas they have had a former condition before God, which was, you know, really wrath, those things have been changed by the work of Jesus Christ. So he reminds them of their former status amongst the people. Uh, if we look at verse 11 and 12, if I may just read those verses, 11 and 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you were, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Isn't without hope enough? Uh, without hope and without God. You know, Paul rubs it in. You are very far. You are not citizens of the kingdom of God. You add, he uses tough language. He uses he tries to describe it to them. You were alienated. Some versions, I think ESV, says alienated. Strangers, you know. Uh, you were hostile, hostile to God. You were in hostility, separated. You were not fit to be called the people of God. There is a wall. Why the wall? This passage tells us that they were uncircumcised. It's very difficult for us to understand the magnitude of being referred to as uncircumcised. I don't know in the present day which word I can use, uh, but you know those segregative words that we use in our local uh, languages? Every language, if they have a tribe they hate, there is a word they pick on to refer to those. And uh, after some time of uh, using the word nigger, I was told, it's actually not a, <laughs> a nice word. But there is a group of people that are referred as that. And it is an insult. There is a way it's abusive. It, it, it lowers your status. It, it's a word that sort of puts you in a lower class. And so the Jews referred to Gentiles as uncircumcised and using that word to mean they are of a lower status. And so because of that being uncircumcised, they do not measure up to be known or to be called children of God and therefore do not fit into those that belong to God. Praise the name of the Lord. And so there is that wall of separation. There is that wall of hostility. There is a reminder. Each time a Gentile has to say something, they say to them, you are... You, 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 you are uncircumcised. 
Can you imagine that? They keep reminding you you are supposed to be far away. When everybody else is gathered for you, you should be very, very far. Don't come close because you are not worthy. And the Jews were so proud of this. It was a badge of honor. They thought circumcision made them superior to everybody else. They are, you know, a superpower of some sort because of that. But Paul adds, if you had well in this passage, circumcision which is made in the body, in the flesh, by hands. And Paul is using that language to try and discredit, to lower what they have so much exalted. So he's saying basically that circumcision is not as important as the Jews want to make it look or as the Jews want it to be received. So it's not that important. Actually, when he adds circumcision in the body, in the flesh, by hands, that really means it's not God's hands but human effort. So this thing you are boasting about, this thing you are holding in high esteem is actually a human work. It is not God's work. It is your own effort and your efforts cannot save you. And you know that uh, some scholars have called Africans notoriously religious. I think that was J.S. Mbiti. He says that Africans are notoriously religious. Uh, the point he's making is we enjoy doing things or being accepted by works when it, got, it gets to spirituality. It's not enough for you to go to a witch doctor to an African and they say, uh, now that you have told me your problem, you will be fine. They want that the witch doctor says, now you go get this goat that is of this color, especially difficult color, so that you put in effort, you, you look around, you get it, eh? Because they enjoy works, you know, do something so that you feel, yeah, I am now worthy. So Paul uses this language to say, this circumcision you're boasting about, it is really human effort and it's not going to save anybody. It's going to tell them what actually saves, what actually is going to take away the walls of hostility. And I know that many of the people today, even in the church, we have borrowed a lot of our African tradition religion into the church. And uh, we are slowly but steadily getting back into practicing etiara. Uh, in the name of faith. You know what I'm saying? Rather than doing things because of the salvation you have, you do things thinking that they will give you salvation. That is very wrong. It's the mistake that the Jews were making. And so let me say three things and then I can close. First, the point, the big point that Paul is making to the Ephesians, the Gentiles, is that you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. Praise the name of the Lord. That was your status then. But listen, friends, listen. You are no longer foreigners, aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. Look at verse 12 again, if I may read it. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded 
from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You were alienated. You were far off. Let me tell you, it is not good for you to be alienated. How many of us have been rejected before? You have a group of people and uh, they wake up one day because of things we don't understand properly and uh, they just... It just exclude you. You no longer get the updates about the next meeting. And then people who know you as part of that group meet you and say, hey, for you, you are not uh, at, uh, <laughs> at such and such a place. And you're thinking, where? When? Say, Why are you pretending? And then you think, well, maybe this person is mistaken. Two weeks later, they tell you, bridal shower. I saw so and so state. You see, here at which bridal shower, and you being alienated, being closed outside. Paul is talking about the right to be among God's people, inheriting God's promises together, enjoying God's own presence together. How awesome that is. Listen, it is, you know, that solidarity, that bond as children of God. You know, there are these promises to Abraham, all these promises in the Bible, and you are part of the beneficiaries. And he says, now Gentiles, you are actually alienated. For you, this is not supposed to be your portion. And even in church history, we know that excommunication was one of the terrible things to happen to believers. That man in John chapter 9 who was uh, born blind, that was healed by Jesus, after he insisted that it is Jesus who healed him, even his family members decided, you know what? Ah, you, you don't, don't cause us trouble. Excommunication was such a terrible thing because this is where it stems. You are rejected. You, don't, you are not worthy. And in the world today, this is a reality. Not just in the world, but even in the church. We have social economic statuses. Race, the rich and privileged versus the poor. Uh, you know, there are those who form cliques of those that are marginalized and those that are well off. And often we leave people out in the cold. We make that mistake. Praise the name of the Lord. And uh, I don't want to ask questions in this service, but you know, some of you simply walk in and uh, sit in that place and after the benediction, you walk out without even looking on the sides. You know what I'm saying? Hello. Because there is a way in which I have, being a pastor, I have found this so real. We form cells and they become cliques and we don't want anybody else to penetrate. We form prayer groups or prayer meetings and uh, we don't want anybody else to intrude. Actually, when they try to come in, you make it so difficult they chase themselves away. They just say, this place, I am not wanted. Uh -uh, let me just not go. They crack jokes you don't understand. They use slangs, you know. There are those inside jokes that you will, uh, you will struggle. And when you're trying to smile along as though you have understood. But in your heart of hearts, you know, forming cliques, the world has taught us, sadly, to form cliques and keep other people in the cold. We, we have labeled insiders and outsiders. It's terrible because that's not biblical. 
There are people, no matter how hard they try, it becomes difficult for them. But listen, God has created us as social creatures to have fellowship primarily, first and foremost, with him, but not only with him and with other people. This is why alienation, being treated as an outsider, it is so painful. It leaves scars, it makes people lonely. Among all the groups in the world, the church must be different. We cannot be like everybody else. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen to verse 13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The hand clap to the Lord. Have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. The church is unique. Why is it unique? It brings even the people who have, who have been far off, the word used here, far off, cut off from God, living without him, living far from how God wants his people to live, lifestyles that are not acceptable in the presence of God. You were once far off. How is it possible that those people can come and belong? Paul says, it is possible by the blood of Jesus Christ. What he has done on the cross, that is our ticket that lets us in. Christ has paid. Christ gives us the right to belong to every group that is Christian. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And so you make a mistake to think this is our style. You, you know ways of qualifying this. We understand ourselves. There is a way we get along. For, for us, we know ourselves. And this person just doesn't understand. He can't fit in because for us, you know, you try to qualify it, but it's not godly. It's not biblical. Listen, it's not. How? How is that possible? It's possible for us to belong to one another, to be united because of the work of Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. It's only by the blood. Only Jesus can cleanse us. And when he cleanses us, we are able, we qualify to be among his children. Christ has therefore destroyed the barrier between Jews and Gentiles. No matter how far off we've wandered, doesn't matter. We could have gone as far away, so far away. But in Jesus Christ, if we put our trust in Jesus, God welcomes us amongst his people. God welcomes us among. When people do this, when people accept Jesus, we should give them a warm welcome. There is a time I was preaching somewhere and uh, somebody got saved. And for some reason, I was extremely happy that that man had gotten saved. And uh, after that service, one of the ushers came and told me, ah, Reverend, that one gets saved every day. In a sense to say, ah, that one, ah, ah, you're just wasting your time to even celebrate. But listen, do you know what it means that somebody was far off? They were dirty. They were not qualifying. But Christ has made them qualify. Look at verse 14, the peace that he talks about. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The dividing wall of hostility. He has dealt with it. He is our peace. 
Jesus alone gives us this peace with God and it should translate into peace with one another, peace with other believers. It's interesting how we can be in the church and yet so divided. And I am not talking about doctrinal divisions. I am talking about we all believe the same core teachings, but for some reason we have cliques. There is this clique against the other. There is this group against. There is this one that can't be in the same space with so and so. There is this and that. Which Bibles are we reading, friends? Christ has abolished everything that separates us, including the law in verse verse. In verse 15a, he says, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, he has even abolished that, praise the name of the Lord. So when we believe in him, we are no longer under any kind of condemnation. We are not, because his righteousness has become ours, praise the Lord. And this is important, it is very key. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, And the Holy Spirit begins the work of sanctification so that we are made better. We are fully righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel. This is the good news for everybody, both the Jews and the Gentiles. The tall and the short, the light-skinned and dark-skinned, whichever group you originally belonged to, Christ Jesus has brought us all together. Hallelujah. Christ has created one new person in the place of two. Rather than Jews and Gentiles, we now have become one. Some people have asked me my tribe and uh, I have stubbornly told them, they ask you, but you, you speak Runyoro, you speak Ruganda, you speak Runyankuri, so who are you? Are you a Munyoro, a Muganda, a Munyahu? And I tell them I am a Mujizas. Because Christ has dealt with all those walls of of hostility. Christ has abolished it, has abolished them. Look at verse 15b, that he might create in in himself one new person in place of the two. So making peace, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 puts it plainly. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A new creation includes a new identity. A new creation includes a new identity. So, each Christian in God's new creation in Christ belongs to one another. We belong to one another. We still have, listen, we still have our different personalities. Yes, we do. We still have the cholerics. Uh, Can the cholerics wave? Hello. Are you here? Did you come? There's no way they can fail, I know. Cholerics, it can be other people, but uh, any sanguines? Uh, oh, amen. Uh, any what? Melancholies, let's check. Not here, I can see, okay. Uh, the flags, where are you? Phlegmatics, are we here? There you go. Uh, how about for us, come one, come all. For us, we are here, we can. It's our father's house, you know. So we, we keep our individual differences. We, we still have those personalities. Uh, you know, our backgrounds, where we were raised, where we came from. And some of us might be struggling. Our ethnicities, our distinctive elements. Some of you are talkative, others are quiet. 
those all no longer matter in Jesus Christ. Because our primary identity is in Jesus Christ and in his people. Those spice up the fellowship. They are interesting spices because sometimes, you know, they might rub you the wrong way. However, in Christ Jesus, they become secondary. Amen? And that's the point that Paul is making. That's the key point that Paul is making. He says you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. Praise the name of the Lord. But secondly, he does say you are members of God's household. Just to emphasize verse 19, listen to what it says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Paul wants the Gentiles, the, the believers, the Gentile believers to find their identity amongst God's people that they too belong to God. By faith in Jesus, we are all members of God's household. Oh yeah, nobody is an alien, nobody is a stranger, nobody is an outsider. No one does not belong. We all belong together, we belong to Jesus Christ. One day, this is going to be a reality, according to Revelations 5.9, that people from every tribe and language and people and nation, all cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, in the same space, worshipping the same Father. I look forward to that time where every nation, every tribe, every race is gathered before the Lamb. Amen? We are in the household of God. This literally means blood relatives. And this is where I miss our local, lang our local language words to refer to the brethren, to refer to fellowship. You know, they are deep. Aboluganda, Abishemwe. You know what that means? Members of the same clan. We are literally, you know, blood brothers and sisters. The blood I'm talking about is the blood of Jesus Christ. And shame upon you who have that notion that blood is thicker than the water of baptism, referring to tribalism. Hello? I know of somebody who has challenged about tribalism and said, my brother, yes, I am a Christian, ah, but blood is thicker than the water of baptism. There is work to do for such a brother or such a sister. Because the blood of Jesus Christ makes us blood relatives in a sense. We are members of the same family. And therefore, when members of the same family gather in a service, when we gather to fellowship, to celebrate, to praise and worship our God, it must show. There must be concern for one another. There has to be, you must be, you know, excited to know how Reverend Gerald has been through the week. You must be excited to find out how your neighbor is doing. How are you? I didn't see you last Sunday. Is everything okay? Under normal circumstances, that is what it should be. Because how many of you, honestly, when you enter your father's house, those of you that still live home, uh, you just sit in a living room and you don't care who is seated on that side and who is seated on the other side. That's not, it, it doesn't happen. Children of the same father, you live in a house and you don't know what's happening to the other. 
Even when it happens, sometimes you have little differences. It's a question of time and you get back to normal. I know those uh, moments of silence. I mean, we are nine children and we have four mothers, so you can never get somebody to illustrate this better than me. We suffered these things, but at the end of it all, you would find a place where you are gathered and you are celebrating each other because you are brothers and sisters. That's the point he's making. We cannot afford to just come to 3 p.m. and go back without interacting with anyone and, uh, you know, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Tell your neighbor it's not okay. Come on. Tell them it's not okay. For you to just come and go back, it's not okay. There's something wrong. The blood of Jesus has done more than you just coming to the cathedral and you go back just like that without concern for anyone. Paul's vision, what Paul is telling the church at Ephesus is that human distinctions don't matter. We are all believers in Jesus Christ and therefore members of the same household. We need to build up one another. The family of 3 p.m. We've got to change how we see ourselves and how we see others. Amen? We need to fully welcome everybody. We need to love and prioritize members of this service as family. Make them feel like they truly belong. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many people in this service you know by name. By the way, as I preach, I am preaching to myself. Oh, yeah. How many people do you know by name? How many? Uh, let me even take it to another level. How many of you know my wife? Uh, so, am I your pastor? How many of you know my wife? Let me, you, 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 you. <laughs> Apart from the youth leaders. <laughs> Let me ask her to start so you can know her. <laughs> there you go. That's my wife, Barbara. 3 p.m., we have got to do much better. We need to love, we need to prioritize the members of the family. Kampala has so many issues. Man, we are struggling. You know, in S5, for the first time, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, thanks be to God for that fellowship, for the first time, all the days I had lived, S5 is when somebody gave me a hug. And it was so significant that up to today, I remember Davis Arijuna hugging me because I'd walked in front when an altar call was made. You don't know that by just, you know, talking to somebody, you are going to make their week. Their performance at work is going to improve because they surely belong. A member of the family accepted them by simply asking, how are you? Where do you stay? What do you do? Hallelujah. Lastly, he says, you are a holy temple in the Lord. You are a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 20 and verse 22, if I may read those verses. Verse 20 to 22, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined 
together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you are, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are a temple. There is a sense in which we are a temple, but also we are work in progress. Okay? Work in progress in the sense that there are those that have already come into the family, but there are also those that are continuing to join the family, but also those in the family, there is some work that is happening. We are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And he refers that to a temple. You know, it's not a flimsy family. It's not just a lousy thing. It has a rock-solid foundation in Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. So this church is established on a cornerstone. Jesus Christ, it is a solid, sure foundation. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be changed. No wonder Paul says, if anybody comes and they are preaching something different from what we have preached, which is Christ, the gospel, then those should be cast. They should not be part of the family. So we are a holy temple in the Lord. We are that building whose cornerstone is Jesus himself. Jesus being cornerstone in the sense that, with that without him, this building cannot stand. Without Jesus Christ, the building would collapse yesterday. He is the one that draws in new believers. He's the one that builds them together with all the other people, with all their differences. Is the one that transforms us into his likeness. That is the place where Christ is the cornerstone. The building is still under construction. And I want to challenge you to bring in more into the family. Amen. Amen. I want to close by reminding us, friends, that we are the holy temple in the Lord. We are members of God's household. Not only that, that we are no longer foreigners and aliens in the presence of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And because of that, we cannot do business as usual. We cannot do business as usual. And again, as a result of that, because we are members of the same family, there are two changes that we have made to this service. The first change is that every last Sunday of every month, this service will have a part where you walk to somebody else and ask them how they are and you pray for them, you pray with them. But also that you would come to us beforehand if you have any prayer needs, prayer concerns, let us know. And that Sunday will be a ministry Sunday in the sense that we have extended time to pray for one another that would have people who actually stand and are prepared to just simply pray for you. But the other, the other change that is coming to us, and that change of prayer, the last week being a week of prayer, the last service in every month, 3 p.m., uh, the other change that follows that really is that also our fellowships 
in that week, Yom Cells, Yom Fellowship, uh, page setters in all the universities, TFC, which will translate into C4C, that week, the fellowship that falls in that last week, you do business as usual, however, you summarize it so that you create time to simply pray. To simply pray. And that is going to be encouraged. We will support you in whichever way that you want us to support you as your leaders, both the pastors and the youth leaders. We really are here to support you and minister to you. But the other change, the other second change, is that for 3 p.m., the last service of every month, we'll be ending this service 30 minutes before and we'll break bread together. We'll share in a snack, a cup of tea. This evening it will be on this side and you will not be allowed to be in a hurry to run, but just spend time with somebody over a cup of tea, over a snack, and just have that conversation so that there is true concern for one another. Praise the name of the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you, friends, if God is leading you or rather burdening you to belong to this ministry, do not hesitate to see Grace. Grace is in charge, is our 3 p.m. service coordinator. That is Grace. Just that she takes your name down and your contact and let her know how you'd want to participate in that ministry. Maybe for you, it will be just serving the tea, you know, giving cups to people, or maybe serving the snack, or just praying for our tea, praise the name of the Lord. That's the support you want to give. Maybe for you, you cannot make it, but you have a 10,000, you have money that you can give. Maybe there is, there is a financial contribution you can make, something in kind you can contribute towards that. We really want to encourage you. And that is going to, to be spiced up by the people who are celebrating something in that month. Maybe you added a year, it was your birthday in that month. Maybe there was a major, mega breakthrough in that month. There will be cake for you to cut with the family members. Because we want to take this belonging to one another to another level. Amen. And I want to appeal for your support in this so that we stop pretending that we are members of the same household, but uh, the membership is transactional. If I ask you to do something, you do it gladly, but that's where it ends. Ah, Reverend wants my number for what? It's somebody I told, you know, Reverend, you know, to tell someone, so to just hold on a bit. She said, Reverend wants me. What have I done? <laughs> I think we have to graduate from that and move to the next level. Please get up on your feet and let us pray. Is there anyone here that had, has had feelings of being lonely? You have had feelings of being far off even when you come to this service you don't seem to belong. I want to encourage you that Christ has paid for your membership. 
in this household. And you carry the same value as the pastor. You carry the same value as everyone else because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we, we thank you. It's true, Lord, that once we were aliens, once we were far off, Lord, we cannot pretend about it. We are not Jews. We cannot pretend about it. We were not a people in your eyes. We were not. We were objects of wrath. We qualified to die. But thank you for your love that through the cross we fully belong. We have citizenship in your kingdom. And so I pray for my dear brothers and sisters that stand in your presence this afternoon that you will give them that assurance. Can I ask you, if you're here and you, you sense that for you have been disconnected, you probably have been struggling with belonging with other people because of your status, because of your background. Some of you have inflated esteem. You consider all others below you. But today there is a sense in which the Holy Spirit is ministering to you afresh and you'd want to have a conversation with God. Why don't you go ahead and as the Spirit of God leads you to just have that conversation with God? What new routines are you being led to adopt? What new things are you going to do? What things are you going to do differently? What things are you going to drop simply because you belong to the household of God and you'd want to make other people belong? You'd want to make it easy for other brothers and sisters in this household to enjoy fellowship with you, with one another, fellowship with their father, fellowship with God. Would you just go ahead and have that conversation? Exactly how you feel, exactly how the Lord is ministering to you. Maybe he's calling on you to change certain things. Yes, it's true, you are once far off, but you are no longer that. You are now special. You are among those referred to as a royal priesthood. You are chosen God's special possession. And so you belong with other people in the household. It's true you have treated other people in a certain way. It's possible that you have treated them as second-class citizens. But this afternoon, there is conviction for you to change your ways. And indeed, God is pointing you in the areas where that change should happen. I pray, Heavenly Father, Maybe some of us have been suffering silently and quietly. We don't want it to be known to anybody. But this afternoon, the Lord is ministering to you that you should walk to somebody, somebody you can trust for now. Maybe the pastors, maybe the youth leaders, that they may pray with you, that you may pray with them. And God is challenging you to just take an extra step and sideline all walls of hostility because Jesus has broken them down. 
Don't keep them in existence when the blood of Jesus, the cross, has crossed them out. This afternoon, Christ has dealt with them once for all. Please don't keep them in our midst. Some of us are always in a hurry. But maybe God is calling on you to just slow down a little bit that you may be present with the brothers and sisters in this fellowship. Father, we honor you and we bless your holy name. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A hand clap to the Lord.